Praise the Lord in the spirit of worship. Sister Faith has something the Lord's laid on her heart to say, and I hope that you'll receive her as she makes just a few remarks for a moment here. As I was praying, uh, I was praying for I was praying for the pastor and, and his family. I was praying for the first family, and uh, and God told me that He wanted me to tell the church. He he took he took me to Exodus Exodus chapter seventeen, and in Exodus chapter seventeen, um, what was going on? There was a battle that um, Israel was fighting, and Moses. Moses, they, Moses was getting weak, and Moses had to lift up his hands for them to prevail and for them to win the battle. And when Moses, his hands started getting weak, they had to come, and they had to come lift him up. And what God wants us to do, he wants us to praise. He wants us to praise him for them, for Pastor French, for Sister French, and for their family. Ashanda lebo sanda lido boranda basanda koranda basha rikida boshanda resanda resanda all i need all i need is just a few a few praisers ashanda cuz the victory ashanda lives we're gonna have to lift them up we have to lift them up so we're gonna do it one more time one more time in the name of Jesus Hashanda Karenda Masanda I shall do it I shall do it I shall do it I'm gonna do it Ashanta Masataba everything's gonna be okay I'm gonna do it Ashanta I'm gonna make it all right, Ashanta. I'm gonna make it all right, all right. It's gonna be all right, Ashanta. Me a rebababoshandaba. It's gonna be all right, Ashanta Korenda. Eyana masato. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Neba shoto Korenda. Me a rebaboshata masaya. Sister French, don't go anywhere in this vein of the Spirit. And I appreciate all the prayers that go my way. I, I covet every one of them. But uh, our First Lady is a tremendous beacon of strength in our church. 
She gives every single day of the week selflessly. And I don't want to embarrass her, but I'd like some ladies of the church to just go over and gather around her. And I'd like you to just pray a prayer of strength and protection around our first lady that God would give her strength in her body, that God would minister to her, that God would encourage her. Come on, some of y'all just gather around her right now. I need some prayer warriors. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift her arms, lift her arms, lift her arms. In a sholobo sandarabaya talaboroto sandayata satalabokoya. Come on, men, you can help us pray. Men, stretch out your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. That'd be all right. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hell is trembling right now. Hell is afraid because the church is praying. The church is travailing. The church is making intercession. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something that that you may not realize or if you do realize it maybe you've never fully comprehended sometimes we chafe against spiritual authority sometimes submission is a struggle I know that feeling myself it's not always easy for me to submit But I will tell you, the devil knows that there is a protection that comes in submission to authority. The devil knows that the coverings that God instituted over us are there for our own good and our own protection. And when you are properly submitted to your spiritual coverings, and I don't have time to preach about the layers of coverings, but are layerings of coverings but when you are properly submitted the devil has to go through your covering to get to you I'm gonna say that one more time if you are properly submitted the devil has to go through your covering to get to you and because I feel boldness I'm gonna say this this is why you ladies need to have your uncut glory because it is your holy covering. 
And so it's no surprise when the enemy tries to bring down ministry because then it leaves you vulnerable. And I'm thankful for a church that loves the word and loves the ministry. I want to pray for all of us. Can we do that? Would you lift up your hand? If it's appropriate, just grab the hand of your neighbor. I'm going to preach for just a minute, not long, but grab the hand of your neighbor and just pray for them. Pray that God would cover them with protection. Be a fence around us, Lord. Place a hedge. Let healing flow. Not just physical healing, but let there be emotional healing. Let there be spiritual healing, oh God. Lift us up on eagles' wings, I pray. I pray that we would run and not be weary. I pray that we would walk. I pray that we would walk and not faint. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 6. I preached two weeks ago a message entitled An Old Revelation for a New Generation in honor of our bishop. And originally that message was supposed to have multiple points, but I wasn't able to get to all of them, and so I'm going to do something very unusual. I'm going to preach an entire new message out of what should have been one message to start with. And so tonight I'm preaching an old celebration for a new generation. An old celebration for a new generation. And I don't know about you, but I miss my bishop with all my heart. And I sure love my bishop's wife. It's good to see her here tonight. I honor her. I honor my pastor. I'm going to preach very briefly, but I do believe the Lord wants to help us. Acts 3 and verse number 6, if you have that, say amen. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Pay attention to verse 8. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, here's what happens when you praise God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And then we won't read the remaining passage, but this event launched a powerful sermon by the apostle Peter where he preached unto them Jesus, him crucified. And this was the beginning of, of the early apostolic revival. Look at your neighbor and say, an old celebration for a new generation. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
As I mentioned in part one of this sermon, an old revelation for a new generation. It doesn't take long for things to die out. It doesn't take long for generations to lose what previous generations held dear. It doesn't take long for truth to be distorted. It doesn't take long for falsehoods to become mainstream and popularized. It doesn't take long for churches to change. You would think that it would, but churches can change, often generationally. And as apostolics, our entire identity is wrapped up in the reality that we are people who hold fast to the apostles' doctrine and their faith. We hold to the reality that we are the original blood-bought church. We hold to the reality that we are not a new variation of Christianity. We are not a new dimension of Christianity. We're not just a varying philosophy of Christianity. We are indeed the apostolic church that was blood-bought, that was purchased by Jesus himself. He gave himself for this church. He told us. He was going to send the comforter. And so we're not ashamed when we speak in other tongues. We're not ashamed when the Holy Ghost comes because that's what they did on the day of Pentecost. And that's how they operated every time the Holy Ghost was poured out. We are not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed to baptize in that name. We're not ashamed to pray in that name. We're not ashamed to do anything in the name of Jesus because it's the only saving name. And so we are a people of revelation. Even though revelation can be lost, God is the source of all revelation. And so revelation can come again. And we are holding to that in this church, even though many are losing the revelation of holiness, the revelation of separation. They're losing the revelation of what it means to be a righteous people. But apostolic tabernacle has made up its mind. We are not going to be apostolic in name only. We are going to be apostolic according to the word of God. Amen. Names mean something. Titles mean something. And you can't just call yourself something and say, I am. You actually have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And so that's our goal here. And so it is with every aspect of spiritual things. You can lose something over time. And one thing that I have noticed in the apostolic church is that we are losing the revelation of celebration. We are losing the revelation of the power of praise and worship. It's no coincidence that sleepy churches are churches that do not see miracles. It's not a coincidence that sleepy churches are churches that do not experience the power of God. It's no coincidence that sleepy churches do not witness the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in profound fashion. But I don't know about you. I am hungry for an apostolic outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire. I am hungry for revival. I am hungry for miracles, signs, and wonders. And we must remember the reason we were created in the first place. We were created to worship God. The Lord. 
We were created in his image to have relationship with God. And you cannot have relationship with a holy, righteous God unless you approach him with praise and worship. It's the only thing that he accepts. Long before mankind was created, we know that there was an angel, the most beautiful angel in the heavens. He was the chief angel. His name was Lucifer. Most of us refer to him now as Satan or the devil. And Lucifer was the angel that was in charge of protecting the glory of God. He was the angel that was in charge of the music. He was the angel that was in charge of the worship in the throne room of God. He was literally able to walk through the fiery places of God's Shekinah glory in the heavenly of heavenlies. This was an angel that had access to the most sacred places in all of heaven. He witnessed the power of God on a daily basis. And there he was as the angels in heaven began to shout worthy, worthy, worthy. The angels would shout as they do right now, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The angels would come and present themselves before the throne of God with worship, but they had no choice. They were commanded to worship. They were not given the choice. Will you worship or will you not worship? No. The angels were created to give God worship until one day Lucifer decided, I don't want to worship God any longer. I want someone to worship me instead. And then he broke communion with God and he was cast out of heaven into the earth. And you know how that story ends. He started messing with human worship. And the first thing Lucifer will try to do when he's trying to sever your right relationship with God, he will try to break your worship down because he knows that worship brings glory. He knows that worship brings favor. He knows that worship is a sweet-smelling perfume in the nostrils of God. He knows that worship will break up the fallow ground. He knows that worship will lift your faith and he knows that without faith it is impossible to please God he knows that when the praise team worships before the preaching that hearts begin to be lifted up and the preaching will make an impact that it otherwise would not have made and so today Lucifer even now would like to hinder your worship he'd like to hinder my worship but I want you to notice that worship is not something that was created in this world and specifically for this world. Worship is something that is older than time. I said worship is something that is older than time. <laughs> 
The angels were worshiping God long before Adam ever breathed his first breath. The angels were worshiping God long before Noah ever hammered that first nail. The angels were worshiping God long before that one leper ran back and magnified Jesus. The angels were worshiping God long before Mary and Joseph exclaimed, Surely this is the Son of God. Angels in heaven were worshiping. And then that worship came into the world that God created. But there was one major difference. You and I were created with something called a free will. God gave us something that the angels did not have. You are given the opportunity to make a choice every day of your life. You can say... When you come into the house of God, I don't feel like worshiping. And God will not make you worship. You can wake up in the morning and take your first breath with consciousness. And rather than reading the scripture that says, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. You can decide I am going to use my breath for something other than praising God today. You can make that decision in your spirit. And God will not strike you down. He will not take control of your body. He will not take control of your hands when you refuse to lift them. He will not take control of your voice if you refuse to let it out. He will not take control of your feet if you refuse to dance. Why? Because he wants you to love him enough to say, Lord, I just can't help myself. I've got to give you praise. I've got to give you glory. I've got to magnify you. It's an old celebration for a new generation. If there were angels that were cast out of heaven, make no mistake, when we get our worship confused, when we focus our worship in the wrong direction, when we refuse to give it in the right direction, God is not pleased. And so, an ancient Celebration, the celebration of God is something that every generation has to learn and receive for themselves. You know, pastor likes to talk about his grandmother's dance. You ever seen him do that? I'm not going to demonstrate it for you because I can't dance the way pastor dances. But I'll give you a little demonstration. He does both feet like this. That's a grandma dance. And he still has it generations later because of the influence of a godly woman on his life. Now, I can't worship the way pastor worships. I have to worship my own way. One of the reasons is uh, I don't have the energy that pastor has, and I wouldn't be able to worship the way he worships and then get up and preach with any breath at all. But I'm going to tell you this. Every generation may worship a little bit differently. We may not dance just like grandma danced, and, and we may not wave our hand just like grandpa waved his hand. But I'm going to tell you, you better do something. You better find the revelation of what it means to celebrate who God is. And if you can hear the name of Jesus, and something inside of you is not drawn towards praise, if something inside of you is not drawn towards worship, then you have lost a revelation that is vital to your salvation. 
It's an old celebration. The angels were doing it long before you and I. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Does anybody like that scripture? I love that scripture. The heavens declare the glory of God. Brother Dan, have you ever been out in the wilderness, out in the woods, out in a field in the middle of the night and, and you look up and you see the stars and something inside of you says, what an awesome God. Now, I'm going to preach to myself for a minute here. If the heavens declare the glory of God. All right. Now, I'm not an outdoorsman. Don't get me wrong. But if the heavens declare the glory of God, if I was Satan, do you know what I would do? I would try to get people's faces right here. And then we'd be down here. And then we'd be right here. If the heavens declare the glory of God, He's going to put every distraction in your life that he can possibly put so that you're not lifting up your head towards the hills from whence cometh your help. Every once in a while, you need to step out and look at the heavenlies and say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that there is a force that is greater than me. I know his name. I know who he is. I know that he bled. I know that he suffered. I know that he died. I know that he rose again. He is good and his mercy endures forever his ways are bigger than my ways his thoughts are bigger than my thoughts I can't possibly give him enough praise he's too big I don't even have the words to magnify him but as long as I've got breath in my body I'm gonna celebrate who he is ha <laughs> ha The stars were created before mankind and womankind. The stars were created to glorify God. Jesus said at one place when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were angry because the people, the common people, we're worshiping Jesus as the Messiah. Not just as a teacher, not just as a preacher, but they were worshiping him as the Messiah. They were laying down their cloaks on the ground and they were laying down the palm branches and they were falling at their feet and they were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest and this angered the Pharisees and Jesus looked at them and said if you stop them from worshiping the very rocks along the side of this road they will begin to worship me because if my people won't worship me my creation will worship me something is going to worship God you've just got to decide is it going to be me or is it going to be an angel or is it going to be a star or is it going to be a rock but as for me in my house we're going to worship the Lord as for me I've decided I'm going to give God praise somebody clap 
your hands right now and shout out. I'm almost done. In the Old Testament, David began a project to build a temple to the glory of God. It would house the presence of God. It would be a place of sacrifice and a place of worship. And David was unable to complete the temple. He gathered materials, but his dream was never realized during his lifetime. And so his son Solomon took over the construction of the temple. And the Bible tells us that when the temple was completed, it was such a day of celebration that as the priest marched into the temple, the Bible literally says they offered more sacrifices than the people could even count. They were sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. And no one could even keep track of all of the sacrifices that were coming into the house of God. And the Bible says that God was so moved by this sacrificial worship. He was so moved by the worship and the praise of the people that the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple to such a degree that the priests were not able to continue ministering. I want you to think about that for a moment. The glory of God came in like such a thick cloud that people were not able to continue doing what they had been doing. And if my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and if I am to offer up my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, if my body is now the New Testament temple, I'm going to tell you what my body's going to do. My body's going to give God praise until until the Shekinah glory comes in so thick. I'll tell you what I want to see. I want to see the glory of God fill the church so full that the preacher can't finish his sermon because people are because people are staggering to the altar, laying down their drugs, laying down their cigarettes, laying down their alcohol, and saying, God, I want to be set free. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I want the Shekinah glory. I want the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want it from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I want the Holy Ghost to overflow. Open up the floodgates of heaven. And pour out a blessing, oh God, that cannot be contained. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that there is no end to God's storehouse of blessing. But there is an end to our capacity to receive the blessing. Somebody needs to get that. There is no end to what God can do for you. The question is, what are you prepared for him to do for you? What can you receive from him? Are you an empty vessel that can receive it? Or are you so full of carnality? Are you so full of lust, sir? Ha <laughs> ha. 
that you cannot receive what God can and will pour out in your spirit. I want the outpouring, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Musicians, come. I'm closing. After the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, you can be seated for just a moment. The Holy Ghost was poured out. We preached about it in an old revelation for a new generation. Peter told him exactly what to do to be saved. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in tongues. And it was a powerful moment. And they left that upper room experience. And it's interesting to me that they did not forsake the gathering together of themselves just because they'd had a personal experience with God. The church is still relevant. The gathering of the saints is still relevant. Prayer is still relevant. We still need one another. I don't care how much anointing you have. You still need to get to the house of God. Peter could have said, I'm a big shot preacher now. I don't need to go pray. No, you better get to the prayer meeting, brother. And so they're just making their way after this powerful upper room experience. And they're walking close to the gate, which is called beautiful. And there's a lame man there, a man who'd been lame from birth. And he's asking for alms. You know the story. And Peter looks at him. And just like most preachers, he reached into his pocket. And there was no money there. And rather than being embarrassed by that... And rather than allowing that to stop him from ministering to this man, he looked at him and said, Sir, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'm giving you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he stood up leaping and praising God. Now, what an amazing miracle this was. And it was a testimony to everyone who was there because the community knew that this was a lame man. The community knew that he had been there day after day for his entire life. This was a notable miracle. But what I have always noticed about this miracle beyond the silver and gold part that we usually focus on and Peter's sermon, which is powerful, that comes right after that event, is the celebration that this lame man entered into. When he realized that he could walk, he couldn't stop walking. When he realized that he could jump, he couldn't stop jumping. When he realized that he was able to dance, He couldn't stop dancing when he realized that God had transformed him. When he realized that God had literally changed him. He couldn't stop. And the people were trying to stop him. They're trying to ask questions. And I, I don't know. My imagination just does things, you know. I, I envision people are trying to talk to him. And he's just like this and they're trying to talk but he can't stop because God healed me I want to talk to you but I can't I, I just need to worship 
He naturally received the revelation of celebration. He realized that if God has done something for me, I've got to take what he's done for me and I've got to use it to glorify him. If he's put breath in my body, I've got to use breath to glorify him. If he's put money in my pocket, I've got to take that money and use it to glorify him. If he's given me a talent, I'm not going to take that talent and, and give it to Hollywood. I'm going to take that talent and use it to glorify him. If he's given me property, if he's given me land, if he's given me health, I'm going to use it to glorify him. If he's given me two hands and ten fingers, I'm going to use them to glorify him. If he's given me legs and strengthened them, I, I'm going to use them to glorify him. It's the revelation of celebration. If he gave you a sound mind that was once confused, use that mind to glorify him. I'm going to tell you what we are facing today is a generation that is losing the revelation of celebration. If we could all stand to our feet. We've already had good worship here tonight. I'm not trying to get anyone to run the aisles. I'm not trying to get anyone to, to shout or dance or anything like that. But I am telling us that if God has ever done anything for you, if he filled you with the Holy Ghost, if he gave you his name at baptism, if he forgave you of sins, for some of you, it's sins that you would not want to share with this congregation. Sins that you don't even like to admit you ever committed. When you think about those sins, you think, that must have been another person. I couldn't have done that, but you did do it. In fact, for some of you, you've been busy trying to forget what God forgave you of. And what you need to do is remember to be and then look at who you are now and say thank you Jesus when you forget what God saved you from you become self-righteous but when you remember you become a worshiper I wasn't worthy I wasn't worthy I wasn't worthy I wasn't worthy but he forgave me I was lost, I was lost, I was lost, I was lost, but he found me. I was undone, I was undone, I was undone, but he put me back together. I was broken, I was broken, I was broken, but he mended me. If you can remember where you came from, you ought to run to this altar and just give him praise right now. Get the old revelation. The revelation that spans before time began. That God is worthy of worship. Come on, praiser. You don't have to run and jump. Just come and give him praise from the bottom of your heart.
You are my- 